Greek virus and Dan Beeston is smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 113 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Dan. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Greg Wall. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I'm going to dry your hair. Theory of mind, it's for the birds. I'm going back to Turkmenistan. And I want to suck your blood in a reasonable time frame. But before we get there, what have you done this week in science? Oh, I have an embarrassing story. Embarrassing story. The listeners may not know, but I've taken a new job where I now do a lot more teaching and astronomy and going out and doing something called gorilla astronomy, where I go into the streets of, of Perth in Western Australia and, and go, hey, look, telescopes, let's just look through it, people. So it's part of it, like, hey, just get it out there. It's a lot of fun. So I'm the expert who goes out. Yeah. Is there a lot of, in news today, six teenagers suffered burns to the retina. No. Well, well, not in the day. We, we, we can take solar filters out. We haven't yet. Anyway, no, no, no one's got lost an eye yet. But I'm setting up a telescope in the middle of the city so we can look into the sky. And I'm spending all this time. And I'm, what's wrong? I can't focus this telescope. I can't. I cannot resolve the disk of Jupiter. I, I'm sure I can get the bands up. I can see the bands of Jupiter. I've, I've done it before. I, I can do this really easily. It's such a simple thing. It's there. I'm like pointing the telescope. And I'm putting new lenses in. And I'm adjusting everything. Going, maybe I have to collimate it. What's wrong? And then my helper, who is a, a PhD in astronomy, radio astronomy, not, yep. not walks over and go, looks in the eyepiece and goes, uh, the, that's serious. That's a star. <laughs> and I went, oh, oh, I spent like 10 minutes trying to res- resolve a star, basically. And they went, yeah, that's Jupiter. That's um, they're, 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 One's blue and above you, serious, and one's kind of yellow and it's over there. And I went, I'm colorblind. And he went, oh, good. And we pointed it over. And there was Jupiter, it was fine. And I went, yay, science. <laughs> hey, kids, even I can make a mistake. <clears throat> so that was fun. So it change, changed into a life lesson. In science, you don't ne- necessarily need to be right. You need to accept your mistakes right. and learn to be right. Wait. And that's what science is. Almost word for word. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. And after that valuable lesson, which I meant to teach you. (laughs) And I may not pass my probation now. Thank you and good night. Now, let's take a look at Sirius. Saturn. Jupiter. (laughs) (laughs) F***. Oh, I didn't mean to say f*** in front of the (laughs) 13-year-olds. I've come up with something, a question to ask. If I dressed all in mirrors, would I be able to be invulnerable to laser weapons? (laughs) If... The reflective index was 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 perfect. Yes, but it's yes, not. but it's not. No, it's not. And not only that, but most mirrors are glass with a reflective back. Yeah, yeah. So what would happen was the the laser would melt the glass. <laughs> I've read somewhere that mirrors are actually slightly blue. The image coming off a mirror is slightly yeah, and they're only, they're only like seventy percent reflective yes, or something. Like yeah. they're they're still absorbing a fair bit of yeah, that's lasers. Right. Well, that's that's why that's, they talk about you know in the you fire a photon into a box made of mirrors, it's not going to bounce. You're not going to have like you can't just store light in a box nah. and then open it. And go, ha! You're blind. It doesn't work that way. You yeah. can in sunless sea. Oh, really? Yeah, you can get a mirror catch box and you can trap sunlight in it and then sell it well, that's, in that's, the underground sea. That sounds like science. That sounds like fiction. <laughs> that's fiction. Good game, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kept dying. That's what it's for. Yeah. It's a dying simulator. Yes. <laughs> so theory of mind. The concept that you're aware, even though that if I walk out of the room right now, 
you know that I'm a human being and you can say, well, Greg might be stealing. <laughs> what? Well, you're standing in front of me. I'm not sure you're a human being. Shh, don't, don't. Let's not make, let's not make this a thing. So you go out and you might go. Well, he me? knows. <laughs> so, Activate plan. <laughs> my alien sounds like. I was about to say your accent is terrible for okay. my language, but anyway, it's fine. It's my alien master's language. The point is, if I go outside and you hear something, hear something going on outside, you may start thinking, oh, Greg might be stealing something, or you can, you can work out that you can think in your brain that I'm thinking, and you can work out what I'm thinking based on the fact that we're both the same. Like, we have a theory of mind. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, you don't have to see me steal something. If I walk outside, there's a weird noise, and then tonight you go, my computer's missing. You could probably go, Greg was here. I might talk to Greg about it. There's that concept. You can make that jump. You don't have to yeah. see me doing it. Some animals seem to have this concept of theory of mind. So uh, primates do it, and then sometimes they do it by putting a little red dot on the primate's forehead, and they show them a mirror. And if the primate reaches out and touches the mirror, or the animal touches the mirror, then, of course, it doesn't understand that it's something yeah. else. That's the plan. And then if it rubs it off its own forehead, even though without seeing it, it's through, oh, seeing it in the mirror, it yeah. understands that's it. It's got a theory of mind. It understands itself. It knows that it's something else. Yeah. And so chimps can do that? Chimps can do it. Elephants? We talk elephants. Dogs. When we talk about dogs, maybe have one with smell. We talked about it in the podcast before. The, the uh-huh. theory of mind was smell. And the idea now is they're talking about ravens. Ravens will probably have a theory Those of... Those things are smart as f***. Now, this is one of those, <laughs> this is one of those things that, that I always think, well, I think probably go, oh, well, obviously they have a theory of mind. I think that's really, but you should never say that because it may just have behaviors yep. that make it look Things like that it. are obvious uh, always tend out to be wrong. Yeah, it can be. So they, they did an experiment. Flies obviously have four legs. They, <laughs> uh, listeners who don't understand that, go back and listen to our podcast where we yelled a lot at each other about it. Or I didn't seem to no, understand. We, we both agreed on that one. Oh, good, good. And then we were both wrong. Yes, which tends to be the through line of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we learn something. So uh, some scientists... And that's that... the intentional lesson. We've taught you, the audience. <laughs> so some scientists at the University of Vienna in Austria came up with a nice plan for some ravens. So what they did is they put uh, two rooms next to each other. They baked them into a pie. <laughs> and when the pie was open, the birds began to sing. The birds began to wipe marks off their foreheads. So what did they do to the ravens? So they put two, two rooms next to each other with a, a window between them and a peephole as well. And they put one raven in each room and they gave one raven some food around the room and, and places to hide it. And they watched, they waited for the... They timed how long it took for the raven to hide its food. And if there was no raven in the other room, the raven would take about 14 seconds or so to grab the food and go hide it somewhere. Like eat its fill and go, oh, more food, and hide it away to, ah, yep. for later. If there was another raven in the other room through the open window, like well, glass, but, you know, no curtain, mm-hmm. then the, the raven would hide it faster, in, in, on average, eight seconds. Cause they, and they, they're surmising because they're like, well, that raven's going to come and steal my food. Yep. So I'll go hide it a bit far. And, and it didn't go back to the hiding place quite as often because like, well, I'm just taking a walk. You know, my me, Mr. Raven. So they, that was cool. Yep, trying to be surreptitious. And yeah, yeah. Very hard for a raven to be surreptitious because it's hard to whistle with a beak. That's a, could they, they can, can, can ravens not whistle? Many birds can. Well, not by... Not, not, not like... Yeah, yeah, yeah not, but not, they don't not, do that. With lips. They, they, oh, God, ravens with lips. That's nightmare fuel. Yeah. That's like... Especially... Ugh, imagine them smiling at you with teeth. Oh. <laughs> <Ugh. laughs> teeth. So they, then they taught the raven to look through the peephole. So they went, okay, look through the peephole, raven. And so now the raven knows that it can see other ravens through the peephole. So the final thing they did was they closed the window, but they left the peephole open, and they took the raven, other a raven, out of the room. So now you have a raven in one room with food, no raven in the other room. Yep. But they put sounds of a raven in that room, uh-huh. and the raven responded by hiding its food very, very quickly. Ah. It, it couldn't see a raven. 
because the window's closed, it could maybe hear something. And it said, well, I can look through a peephole. That raven's probably, it could be looking at me right now. That's their theory. And it quickly hit it all. Yeah. So it understood that another raven would know what was going on. It could be watching, yeah. even something it can't see. Well, did they remove the peephole and then do the same experiment? with? Because it could just be that the raven was like, I can hear a raven around. I better be fast with this. Uh, no, they said they always have that. They wanted to give the idea that a raven could be watching them. That was the whole point. A raven is yeah, watching but you me need right the, now. You need the test thing Ooh. of, like, if you can hear a raven, like, maybe it's just that ravens, when they hear ravens, are like, he's around, so I better do this quickly before he turns up. That's a very good point. They're, they're things dumb. They're dumb. <laughs> dumb professional scientists. <laughs> it does not say here. I, I, I want to write them an email and ask them that question, because that's a really good question. Yeah? That's a very good question. And the point of this is, which we're gonna, we will look into that, the point of this is that the idea, they're not saying they have a full theory of mind like a human being, but they seem to have some idea. They can be able to think what another raven is thinking, which is they're probably watching me. I can watch, therefore they can watch, therefore I should hide my food. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. But then again, I'm a vegetarian, so I think all animals are pretty much uh, have a theory of mine and we just find ways to trick ourselves into eating them so because i'm superior uh that's always been my well, i don't favorite. mind eating stuff that has a theory of mind <laughs> there you go yeah you ever tried chimp oh yum chimp <laughs> oh the speech center of the brain huh? <laughs> thank you futurama <laughs> damn it i did steal that didn't i yeah sorry yes the, stupid the, the, brain remember the 80s the 80s were a good time for men because <laughs> you could, yeah, because you could blow dry your hair into those oh. like big domes, oh, of yeah, hair, yeah, 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 like yeah. Huey Lewis. Yeah, you could, you'd be cool. There was a lot of exciting male fashion choice. Oh, it, it wasn't just grey suits. It was pretty good. Yep, lots of hair dryer work. Yes, mm. and your hair would get like big and helmety and stuff. Yes, and I was like, why is it that hair dryers are a thing? And why do you get frizzy hair? Right. People's hair is different, but there's only, like, six different things that it does. Right. So you've got... Some hair has, like, a, a 2D hook. Mm-hmm. So it, it comes out of your head. <laughs> right. And then it hits a certain weight, and it just tips over. Right. And that, so it's got a hook and on a 2D plane. But then some has, like, a 3D local helix. Right. So it goes into a spiral. But then... <laughs> After the spiral goes for a bit, then the gravity takes over, and so you get, like, a bunch of little localised spirals. Right. And then some has, like, a 3D global helix, so it's so strong that it goes into a spiral and the whole thing is just a spiral. Ah. Is global helix, is that is that people with afro hair? Like, like that, that, yep. Yep, that's, yep. That's, that's what you're looking at. Ah, okay, right, right. That make, I can see that, yeah. So it's got the, you've got the hair's length, mm-hmm. so that's one element. Yep. So how long the hair is. So if it's short... On my head, just goes straight up. Yep. But yep. when it's long, it sort of goes into yep. goes wavy and nonsensey. So there's the hair's length, its stiffness. Okay. So how stiff it is. Yep. Its weight. Right. So how heavy Ooh, it is. Okay. Yep. And its uh, internal curvature. Right. So whether it pulls in a particular direction or in, into a helix. Yep. Curly hair takes the form of a naturally curved clamped rod when mm. it hangs suspended. Right. So on a right. microscopic level, curly hair consists of numerous distinct helical configurations. Yep. So it yeah, it pulls in different directions and stuff and the global result is how a particular hair strand would be. Right. The curlier the hair, the more likely it is to have weak cross-sectional points that make it vulnerable to breakage and heat damage. Mm. So there was this big thing uh, like a decade or two ago where uh, black women were straightening their hair Mm. to turn it into like shiny, sleek type stuff. Supposedly straight hair is the way it meant to look or something. Yeah. It's the fashion of the time. Well, I mean, to make them look less like 
Africans on the plains of like yeah. there are certain cultural mm. expectations and stuff, and mm. so if you can minimize them, you get accepted into white culture yeah, more effectively. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're terrible. We're awful. <laughs> Just awful. <laughs> yeah, no, that was never in doubt. No. <laughs> so <we've... laughs> but the problem is that the people with the really curly hair, their hair was susceptible to the damage from the heating irons uh. and stuff. Even with with anyone, or I mean, not anyone. Some people have just have really straight hair. Mm. But have you ever heard that humidity can make hair go frizzy? Yes, yes, yep, have. So I didn't know why this was, but hair is basically the canary in the coal mine when it comes to moisture in the air. Right. There's a device called a hydrometer, which what it does is you put a little piece of paper in there, mm. and when it gets moist, the paper's form changes. Mm-hmm. And then that pulls, like, the sensors and it tells you how much moisture is in the air. Oh, okay, yep, yep, okay. But... Is it a hygrometer or a hydrometer? Hy- hygrometer. Hygrometer, yeah. Oh, you're right, yeah. Yes. Hygrometer. Mm-hmm. Sorry, misread. Paper isn't the only thing they use. Sometimes they use animal hair or human hair. Huh. They put human hair in the <laughs> instrument and that's the thing that right. judges how <laughs> moist it is. That's the best way we can do it. That's Yeah. Great. That's so good. <laughs> Now, our hair comprises of keratin protein bundles. Right. They're held together with chemical bonds. Yep. There are permanent ones, which are sulfur atoms. Oh, right. So they're in there all the time. Uh-huh. And there's temporary ones, which are hydrogen atoms, and they get replaced. Right. So the hydrogen bonds reform every time that your hair dries, and it locks it into its dry shape. So huh. if you wet your hair and then let it dry, it's going to sort of stick in that shape because all the hydrogen oh. atoms connect inside the hair and form the shape of the hair. Right, so hold the position. And then you get it wet and they all sort of run out and get replaced by other hydrogen atoms yep. and then you can move it into a different shape. That's so cool. You, you know how when, like, if your hair's dry, you can't brush it for shit. Yeah, yeah. So it, you wet it yeah. and then you brush it and it sticks in the right place. Yeah. Huh. The hair is porous, so the humidity in the air gets absorbed into the follicle. Yep. The bonds change and then they just double back on themselves. So in the way that the humidity gets in, it's like getting in on one side, not the other or something. Right. And so it, uh, in the same way that a piece of plywood, yes. if it got wet on one side, it would warp it in a particular to... direction. Right, yeah. I see. So yeah. the hair yeah. actually doubles back and huh. that's what makes it all frizzy. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's changing the actual the actual uh, shape of the hair. Yeah. So blow drying the hair means that you control the manner in which the hair dries. So your hair is wet, yeah. and then you blow dry it, and you brush it, and you dry it out, and, and you, you lock it and you position. force it into the right position. <laughs> and that's what blow drying does. Right. That's so strange. Yeah. So once it's dry, it won't change again until it gets moist, either from humidity in the air or when it gets wet. Yep. The only one problem is that if it's both dry and windy. Mm-hmm. then the air can bugger up the electrical charge of your hair <laughs> and all your hair wants to just escape your head and yes. it, it yeah. comes fly away for an entirely different reason. So that's, that's because it's lost a positive charge and therefore you're losing electrons and therefore it's positive charge and it's all... like Positive charges push away. That's what I thought. Oh, okay. But it's that's not how static electricity works. Is it really? Yeah. Goodness me. I've learned this really weird thing about static electricity. Yep. So, yeah, as you say, the prevailing theory is like you rub a balloon against... What do you rub it against? Like uh, uh, plastic just, or... No, no, no normally, or? normally like a like a, a, a rod or something. Like yeah. Like a rod or, or, or even like bits of carpet and that sort of stuff. Wool. And the idea is that the balloon loses electrons yeah. and the other thing ga- gains the electrons. So the balloon is sitting there wanting more electrons yeah. and wanting to connect to something which has electrons. Yeah. That's not how it works. Okay. What happens is you you rub these two elements together and the surface of both objects has some 
parts of the surface which has a little bit more positive charge and yep. some which has a little bit more negative charge. Yep. When you rub it together, you change how large those variations are. So suddenly you've got patches on the balloon that are really high in oh. positive charge and then really high in negative charge. Yes, on the other side. And so when they find another surface, what if that surface is kind of neutrally, yep. like the negative charge jumps onto the neutral surface and the positive charge jumps onto the neutral surface because there's such a large variation. Right, uh, the patches on each surface. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just changing a very small amount of the surface charge. Therefore, it, it, where before it was zero, if you slightly make it slightly positive, now it's going to be positive. It goes, okay, now it's going to register as a positive surface. The whole surface registers as both positive and negative oh, to right. higher degrees. Yeah. So imagine that there were chunks that were like plus one and plus and chunks that were negative one yep. sort of scattered across the balloon. Yep. Now they're like plus seven and negative seven. Wouldn't that cancel out? Wouldn't it suddenly... Well, they new? should. You'd think that they would jump across to the other patch and yeah. just cancel each other out, but yeah. they don't. They actually... Huh. Like in something like a... That's why some things like balloons, yep. the ability for that charge to travel within that medium is not as strong as the ability for it to travel to another oh, surface. Oh, okay. Yeah, because so, so, it's rubber or something like that. So it's... Yeah, okay, right. Okay, sure. Yeah, so it's kind of like yep. there's a panel of Lego, which is like all flat Lego, and then when you rub it, some of the Lego becomes outy Lego, and some of the Lego becomes any Lego, and then that (laughs) clips on to other surfaces. But wouldn't that mean that parts of the balloon then, sometimes if you had one part of the balloon, it would repel, and then you turned it the right way, some parts would attract, which is not how I've noticed it. Yeah, well the thing is, when it connects to another surface, that surface is just kind of neutral. Yeah, they're, they're equal, but, but, yeah. but when you put it up close to your hair, it starts sucking your hair up, you know, because it, it's attracting it. But if I turn the balloon the other direction, let's say I found another patch, wouldn't it then push The it patches away? are probably very small, so maybe the, the hair is being... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the thing is, the hair is neutral, so the hair is... No, the, the hair can't be neutral. It wouldn't, it wouldn't respond. It must be... What, no, what I'm saying is that the, the, the high positive stuff wants more electrons, so yeah. it connects those electrons in the hair, and the... Stuff that's got too many electrons is trying to give electrons back to the hair, but both result in connecting to this thing. Oh, okay. Thing. Right. I'm slightly confused. I, I need to. I, I, I'm not quite getting this, but that's okay. I, it's it's a very new concept. Obviously, I need to look this up. I'm not, I don't yeah. Know. Well, there were there there will be links in the yes. show notes. Excellent. Good. <laughs> uh, that's really interesting. Until then, I will just blow dry my hair so I look smooth. <laughs> Jump into my DeLorean. Right. Right? Oh, for the 80s. Oh, put, yes, on yes. Some, put on a nice, nice subdued pink suit. <laughs> just just a, a pale pink. Don't, don't be ostentatious about it. Oh, come on. Come on. That would peach. Be... Maybe some sort of peach. That'd be nice. That would not be grody. <laughs> or it would be grody. You, you would <laughs> Cowabunga. You could go glean a cube. Yeah, the 80s. <laughs> Imagine, Dan Beeston... Okay. You. Oh, what a man. What an Adonis. <laughs> Imagine oh, now. So powerful, so competent. Of course. So giving and kind. And also a vampire. All right. I've, I've folded that in. <laughs> I've folded that into the, the fiction. So you're a vampire. Okay. And you are living your life as a vampire in the modern world. You're running around doing vampire stuff. I'm doing what? You're running around the world. I'm living my what? Life. Unlife. Your, your death. You're, I'm living my you're, you're deathing your you're deathing your death. Doesn't make it, that doesn't feel. The same. I'm living my undeath. Yeah, there, there you go. And you've decided that you don't want to kill. You're not a, you're not a murderous vampire, but you still must drink blood. So drinking blood is you must survive on drinking blood. So you're going to sup from people. You're going to go in and sneak in at night and go, and bite them on the neck. And you're going to draw out blood from them. Yeah. If 
you could take the maximum amount of blood without killing someone, how long would it take you to drink your fill without murdering them? Any ideas how long Dude, it would take? I can't even have half a pack of chips. You think <laughs> you think I'm going to be like a blood-sucking monster driven purely by hunger yeah. yes. and go, that's enough that's, for me. Well, you don't want to kill them because then, then the mob will come and kill you, man. Like, that's the problem. You, you, have to have, you have to have self-control. Otherwise, they'll go, pitchforks, pitchforks, and they march up the street. That's going to happen the first time I do this. <laughs> okay, you're a bad vampire. And it's okay, not going okay. to work well for you. So... How so? There's a term for this, isn't it? Lang, languish, not languing, languorizing them, or um, uh, 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 drawing blood. Uh, um, um, lang, lang, oh, goodness, I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a word. It starts with L. That's up, there you go. A N. So, so and then some more letters. <laughs> so I've got to suck blood out of them. Yes, but not too much, and not well, kill them. Yes, and not right. kill them. Well, yeah. that's easy because I've donated blood in the past. Yes, they can take uh, a liter of blood. That's a lot. Half a litre? Uh, normally, I, I always measure it, unfortunately, and it's normally like a pint. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think they take about five or six hundred mils. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. just to be super safe. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a bit hungry. I, could, <laughs> I reckon I could go a litre or two. <laughs> like, people. A litre or two? People. People lose a lot. I mean, the body's got like seven or eight litres in it. It's, 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 isn't it seven or eight pints? Isn't it like four liters of blood? I wouldn't want to make that mistake. Yeah, that's a big mistake that's, to make. That's torch and pit, pitchfork time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I reckon I'd be all right with yeah a liter, it's, it's, a liter and a bit. You might be like according to this, basically, you could lose about fifteen percent of the blood of of a human body. Fifteen percent. Fifteen percent of the human. Oh, body. that's not much, that's is it? A, yes, that's right. Okay, um, better find some big guys. <laughs> That's more. Yeah, okay. That's... And so when I'm giving blood, it comes out through a little needle. Yes. And it takes oh, 10, 15 minutes yep. to get that much. Yep. So if I'm getting a litre, which quite frankly, I'm pretty set on now. <laughs> um, I don't care whether they can drive home afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. no. Yeah. That's that. So I'm going to go for the full litre. Okay, cool. All right. You're going to um, go for the full litre. It would take 20 minutes, but I reckon I could speed that up. I've got two fangs rather than oh, one little needle. Oh, now you're thinking. Now you're thinking nicely. Yes, so yeah, good, good. I reckon I could take it in, what, five, five minutes? That's pretty good. Five that's minutes? Not, that's not too bad. Still, say, I mean, that, uh, you want to savour your meal, but... But that's... No, that's I am no, we have consumed to, we have to, by hunger. Yeah, and you also, you want to go bull the gate because if it goes wrong, someone's going to pitch Yeah, do not... I do not want, like, Keanu Reeves no, coming in with a, no, no with a crossbow or no something. No one wants that. That would be terrible. No. Especially, I, I saw a... I think a lot of people would actually love that, to be, like, <laughs> in their bedroom and have Keanu Reeves come in with a crossbow. <laughs> That'd be nice. That, They'd be like, oh, my God, this is... A certain sexual kink that I'm all about. What's we? I saw him do an actual training video for John Wick Two, and and the man's terrifying. He's actually quite scary. Like he's got a real gun and he's doing like an assault course. And you watch him, and he's very good at it. And everyone's like, oh, because he's just practice. It's all he does all day is practice assault courses, so he can be like an actual assassin. Anyway, so you probably you probably don't want Keanu Reeves bursting in on you as a vampire because he'd probably kill you. Anyway, the point of this is the University of Leicester have decided how long it would take a vampire to drink enough human blood. So they said about fifteen percent. Of the human blood, you don't want to start ruining someone's um, uh, heart rate and that sort of stuff. So fifteen yeah. percent is pretty safe. So what's what's that in milliliters? Uh, I, so that's about eight eight uh, times six, four hundred and eighty. Fifteen percent of four hundred and eighty is about six seven hundred seven hundred mil, which is substantially less than what I was taking. <laughs> you want the kind of Mina Van Helsing paleness. Yes. To, to just put a little bit of fear into the population. All right. So the average, I was, yeah. So the average human body has about five liters of blood. 
Yeah. So there you go. So yeah. yeah. So if you're taking a leader, that's that's twenty percent. That's that's more than the fifteen percent. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you're taking him into dangerous territory. At yeah. So probably want to go for six or seven hundred and fifty. Seven hundred and fifty mil. Yeah. That, that sounds like a nice. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's okay. So they looked at it and they said, okay, well, and you picked up the good point, which is it's like a hypodermic. You're putting two size holes with yep. your fangs. And the size of the hole. So they they found. Uh, like calculating the speed of blood through the veins, they yep. made a few assumptions. They said they don't kill the humans because they're, they're, they're going to take life-sustaining sips. Gravity is negligible, so they're going to assume that the blood flows all the same in the body. Like oh, it's yep. not pooling down the bottom, and so the pressure will be the same. The five arteries coming out of the aorta were equally sized and smooth, which is not mm-hmm. true. But these are the assumptions yep. scientists have to make. So they said, okay, and looking at vampires' fangs, based on lots of movie research, they said it, uh, the, it leaves two point five millimeter puncture holes. That's what you point five. No, that's tiny. It's quite small. That's the puncture hole through. Just go in there and puncture the artery directly, and you're not making a massive gash because they don't want it to bleed out. Like if you're puncturing an artery, you really don't want. You're going to be in a lot of trouble because you know arteries are the yeah. ones you know. Going you get away. fat. Okay. Yes, you don't. Want to, you don't want to be a fat vampire. Well, more to the point, Hard the person will, will stop. Will never stop bleeding, and then you'll be in a lot of trouble. So you want to make it as small as possible. Okay. So they said anyway. After all this, they decided that it would come down to six point four minutes to drain 15% of an average human being's blood in a safe way uh, to leave them alive. So I'm sucking a little bit too much, a little bit too, too fast. fast. But that's, that's, Dan, you're, you're, you're only a neophyte vampire. You're only new. So an older vampire would have to take you under his leathery bat wing yeah. and teach you how to do it. But I love the fact that the University of Leicester has time to do that. That's, um, that's good. <laughs> so they're vampires. If you're listening to the podcast, now you know how it is not to be a murderous monster. You can now... Suck blood with the best of them and keep everyone alive. Thanks for drinking responsibly. (laughs) (laughs) I put Dan into the time machine, closed the door behind him, the machine started up. In one hour, he would jump through time naked as the day he was born. And Dan, when and where did I send you? What could you research in one hour? The year 1215 in the city of Merv in Turkmenistan. Is that BCE or CE? AD. AD. After God turned up. (laughs) After God's only son was born on this planet. Excellent. As an actual thing (laughs) and performed actual miracles. Magic from a hat. Anyway, so common era. Got it. Got it. Thank you. (laughs) Merv, formerly... Alexandria. Oh, there you go. Was an oasis city. Oh, it's like I'm nice. Yeah, you didn't send me in the middle of a fucking desert. <laughs> Good. Uh, it's claimed that it was actually the biggest city in the world in the 12th century. Fantastic. So that's when I'm there. It's a metropolis. Just after I'm there. Yep, that's good. So when I land there, it's bustling. Oof. Bustling marketplace thing. Sorry, to this image of you naked in that sphere from Terminator. Like, yeah. Kneel, like kneeling down. I was actually kneeling down away from the mic, which is really unprofessional. Yeah. And, and like standing up and just kind of looking around at the bustling metropolis with your junk hanging yep. out. I would like to buy a toker. <laughs> Which one? Point that one. You're coming with us. You're very happy to be here. <laughs> Arab and Persian geographers termed it the mother of the world oh. and the rendezvous of great and small. Ooh. Uh, and the chief city of Khorasan and the capital of the Eastern Islamic world. That's fantastic. So this is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big city. Nice. I'm excited. 
Yes. You could be like Aladdin from the Disney movie and have a little monkey and steal bread and have yeah. an adult supper. We're pimping our time. We're meant to be... Yeah. Like, unless you can get with the... Yeah, living as a street urchin, yeah. possibly not pimping my time. Yeah, that's right. But let's Maybe just... aim a little bit higher than that. <laughs> Start small, work your way up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in, in, pimp my t- in this Pimp My Time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a cave of wonders <laughs> and I'm going to grab a magic lamp. Excellent. Uh, so, it's been going very well in the 12th century. Yep. Now, yep. 20 years after that, 15 years after that, uh-huh. Turkish nomads have pillaged the city. Uh-oh. Took the legs out from under the success of the city a little bit. Uh-oh. A solution needs to be found to help get the citizens back to utopia. So, you've been there now for 20 years. What? No? No. No, okay. I turned up in 1215. Oh, yes. But the Turkish nomads got there before me. Oh, right. Okay, right. I understand. So, oh. so it's not quite oh. the bustling metropolis that it was. It's a yeah. little bit shaky. Yes. But it just needs a little bit boost to go back to utopia. Fantastic. Because, I mean, it's great. It's a great place. Mm-hmm. And it just needs a couple of little tweaks. Right. There is a plan that is going to take effect in 1221 mm-hmm. that will do just that. And I've got six years to figure out a better plan. Right. Yes, because... Uh, Are they actually sitting there going, in six years, we're going to enact this plan? That seems... No, no, in six years, a plan is going to be enacted... Oh, I see. ...to uh, create utopia. Uh-huh. In 1221, Merv opened its gates to Tului, the great saviour, son of Genghis Khan. No, that, oh, that's going to go great. You remember Genghis Khan, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's one of the greatest environmentalists the world has ever known. <laughs> uh... <laughs> The wars led in his name killed 40 billion people. 10%. 40 billion for- people? No, let me try that again. The wars led in his name killed 40 million people. 40 million people? 10% of the Earth's population. Goodness I'm, me. S- I'm so glad you picked up on that because that, oh my God, the walk of shame. <laughs> so 10% of the Earth's population at the time. With this simple oh. change to lifestyle, he was able to remove 700 million tonnes of carbon from the atmosphere. <laughs> Forests grew back, more oxygen for everyone, and 40 million people didn't even need oxygen anymore. Well, wow, what, what a guy. Yeah. It was, this is the first man-made global cooling event, and it was all done... Really? This is a re- really? This is a real thing. This is a real thing. Yeah. So he said planet Earth cooled because Genghis Khan. Planet Earth cooled because of Genghis Khan. <laughs> That's what we need now. Wait. There you go. Mm. This is the first man-made global cooling event, and it was oh. all done by waging an ethically tenuous war. So maybe <laughs> don't be so harsh on Bush and Tony Blair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Donald Trump for president. That's what he doesn't like. He doesn't like anyone that's not like him. Vote him in, America. Oh, the and f- hello, environmental change. <laughs> Smarter than better. What do we say? When Tolu... <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing that right. When Tolu comes in, he, most of the inhabitants will be sent kicking and screaming into Nirvana. <laughs> Historians believe that a million people were sent to Utopia by the Mongols. Oh, so nice. that's the plan that's in effect at the moment. Right, wow. That's the plan I have to find a better plan for. I was about for. to say, you are starting quite low. It was like, be a street urchin, everyone dies in a ditch. <laughs> Hopefully you're going to go up from here. Because at the moment, it's not looking good. It is not looking good. <laughs> trying to work out, am I just trying to kill you? Is that what I'm trying to do? It's like send you places, you know, just... The thought has crossed my mind. Because <laughs> last time I sent you somewhere the, with the Indians and then the, the Native Americans and yeah. then, of course, like Columbus turned yeah. up. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's giving me a look. Yeah. I'm like, just go back to this time and figure out what the science is and what they could benefit from. And you're like, go back here and save your f***ing life. <laughs> Nazi Germany. How's that going to work out for you? Ah. All right. So I am going to start an undertaking to plant a huge moat 
of Milkvetch around the city. Right. Milkvetch, a.k.a. loco weed. Right. It's a plant that is toxic to livestock. Yes. And addictive. Ooh. So they eat it and they can't stop eating it and it oh, poisons them. Right, okay. The Mongol army is powered by its horses. Uh-huh. Every single warrior has like four horses right. and they would switch horses. Like some horses would carry stuff and they would switch horses so the horses were always ready to go when they arrived anywhere. To send someone directly to a utopia. To the utopia. Straight there. Yeah. <laughs> So, if I can get the horse to stop and graze in that moat, right. they will all get sick and the Mongols will be ripe for the picking. Right. Is this something that grows in the area? Yes. Oh, thank goodness. Milkvetch does grow in that sort of neck of the world. Fantastic. Now, there's loco weed all over the place. There's... Would the Mongols know this? But they go, don't eat that stupid weed. They are used to fighting on in the steppes. Yeah. So, I don't know. Might be hard to deal with when they got yeah. four horses each. Yeah. Oh, I see. oh okay. So, yeah, because they want to eat it. Yeah, because yeah. it's Because they're addictive and yeah. they just want to eat it. So. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. I'm hoping they don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. I suppose okay. no one's written down. No, I'm assuming in your research you didn't have time to go look up everything they've ever wrote and go, so they probably didn't write anything down. They probably just went, oh, they, they, they had records. Anyway. Yeah, the Mongols. Yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, yeah, they were pretty good, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. Now, all I need to do is I need to get the Mongols to stop at that moat. Yeah. Because I, I can't just... I can't just plant it all over the place. No, Like, no. there are limitations. And, of course, if they've made it to your walls, you're doomed. No, the horses aren't going to be eating. They'll be like, utopia time! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need to stop them somehow. Yeah, right. Cattle grids. Right. Okay. <laughs> I create a huge wall of cattle grids. Right. All around the city. Huge undertaking. Yes. But... Like, wooden made from wood? Look, wood would work. Yeah. Wood would be fine. Yep. The Mongols charge in. Their first line snaps their damn ankles. <laughs> On the cattle grid. Oh, so they're hidden. They're hidden away, cattle They're grid. hidden away yes. like a trap. I guess they wouldn't even know what they were either. They've probably yeah. never seen anything quite like yeah. it before. So, uh, snap. Yep. They all stop. They're like, the, the hell is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they stop in our moat of Lokowi. <laughs> right. So all the horses poison themselves right. and die. Good. Does it, does it kill them quickly? Horse poisoning is a, a big thing. Right. Poisoned horses require a lot of attention. Oh, okay. So it's not. So you basically, they start eating, they get a bit stuck. Yeah, that's yeah. what you're saying. Yes. Now, this is going to slow them down a fair bit. Yes. The next bit of the plan, I fill the city with these cattle grids. Right. So all the streets, cattle grids. Yep. Then you put a, a platform over the top. Yes. Uh, oh, you can pull away sort of thing. When yeah, you, you could pull it away when uh, you need to, when the city's under attack. You, you put a rope on it, and you could like you, you go put a hinge, and you just go from the top story, you go hook, and you just pull it straight up. Yep. <gasps> Love it. Okay, so... Why am I helping you? <laughs> now, this is going to slow them down a bit. They're covered for the most part, but during invasions, uh, the covers come off. Yeah. Horse traffic grinds to a halt. Yes. So they're stuck. They can't move. Yeah, yeah. They're sitting ducks. Yes. For the archers who Yay. can gain the high, bra- high ground. You know about archery. Yeah. Yeah, no, we've got some, we got some <laughs> ideas about archery, we which have. we can use from previous Pit My Times. We certainly can. Now, the Mongols, they knew their archery. Yeah, they were good. But... Yeah. They had these little bows that they would fire from horses. Mm. Once they're stopped, we can probably do a fairly good job of having a well, better barricade. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. You're they're, they're out in the open. Yep, and they're trying and to stuck. Some... Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Yeah, okay. I like this. This is good. Yeah. This is warlike. I mean, yeah, we've yeah. had a warlike answer before. It's very exciting. Yeah. Okay, finally, this is the and this is the cleverest oh, bit. Right, wow. Okay, you see, the Mongols only left like four hundred inhabitants alive. Bloody hell. Yeah. Millions, like million. se- millions of people. Yeah. Like seven million people. Goodness me. Oh my goodness. Slaughter, slaughter. No, is that right? It was heaps. It was yeah. heaps. Five yeah. or six. Yes, yeah, yeah. Million people. Right. Wow. 400 people left. They were the most respected artisans. So if you can make stuff, yes. the Mongols wanted you alive so they could benefit from your creations. Right. So what I do in yeah. January of 1221, right. 
just before they turn up. Yep. I leave Merv and I run <laughs> as far as I can because I'm not an artisan and I am not sure this cattle grid thing is going to fly. <laughs> it's the f***ing Mongols, Greg. What the f***? I'm going to Spain. So you asshole. <laughs> your, your, your thing is to run away from the Mongols. It's the, that's the, that is the smartest thing anyone has ever done. <laughs> Don't let him in. Yeah, that's fair enough. Oh, my goodness. I love it. I love the fact you had a... 40 million people, Greg. Yeah, yeah. 10% of the Earth's population. <laughs> enough to cool the planet, Greg. But you're from the future, Dan. You're from the future, man. Come on. I won't have a future. <laughs> I heard Spain is quite nice at that time of the millennium. Because I'm Catholic. <laughs> well, yeah. Walk of shame. Walk of shame. Where very occasionally we make some sort of mistake <laughs> and our audience catches it and sets us right. Or just question something we said. Please question what we say. Because sometimes we say crazy things. No. <laughs> a listener called Abhi, he listened to our talk, your talk about how trees break at a particular speed. 42 metres a second. But how thick they are, tall they are, density, elasticity makes no difference. All trees on planet Earth seem to break at 42 metres a second. Like they've evolved in a particular environment and evolved to meet their conditions. Yes, that's like because winds in, a, in the world never get higher than 50 metres a second or so, yeah. Generally. Generally, that's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, but not all the time. Not all the time. Because no. Arby, he has lived through a couple of Category 5 cyclones. Oh my goodness. And your theory for oh. all trees breaking... Sorry, can I just say, yeah. I've lived through a Category 3 and a Category 4, two Category 4s, and that's scary enough. I don't even want to think about a Category 5. That's madness. That's, level, that's what, 300 k's an hour up to? Like, it's ridiculous speeds. Like, we've talked about this before with our meteorologist friend. Yep. It's not. It's not don't be there. I'm assuming Category 5 is it scours the top, of, the top soil away and there's nothing but granite rock left. Like, it would be... Just madness. But anyway, sorry, yes. Well done you for surviving that. You're a it's hardy human being. Like a, a Category 5 cyclone is different to a Category 5 tornado. Yes, like yes. A tornado right. will rip up roads and uh, not tear off Helen Hunt's clothes. Yeah, that's, well, which is, oh, man, I don't know how I'm meant to feel about that. I'm conflicted. Yeah. Well, look, uh, you could watch the, the Water Dance, where <laughs> her clothes get ripped off by a different environmental factor. Right. Human lust. Are we. <laughs> Right, I think we got off track slightly. Did Abby write all this down? Let me let me look up some images for a moment. <laughs> okay, Abby, he has lived through a Category Five cyclone, and he's not sure whether your theory of trees breaking at forty-two meters per second holds up in real life. Sure. Okay. Short trees handle storms better because they were close to the ground, and stuff on the ground causes turbulence, which mm. slows down the wind. Yes. When okay. his town was hit by two hundred and seventy kilometer oh. per hour winds, my goodness! Tall trees snapped in half, and branches went flying hundreds of meters. But fragile little flower petals in the gardens were perfectly unharmed, ignoring those crushed by falling trees. <laughs> we always ignore them. They did not survive. <laughs> So he reckons that your little theory yes. doesn't hold up. Fair enough. Okay, a few points there. Not my theory. Didn't come up with it. <laughs> I, I oh, found... look at him backpedal. No, no, look at him backpedal. I'm a scientist. I just... I just read it on the website. <laughs> I read it in a, in a paper. I, I think it's a very good point that Abby makes there. It's a very good point. And I think it kind of proves what we were saying anyway. I agree with him that turbulence... But he says yes. when the wind is 42 metres per second... Yes. Then the ground turbulence forces it, the wind to slow down. Yes. That it doesn't... Sta oh, wait. No, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's right. So, so what you're saying is that when 
when the wind is slower than that, 42 it doesn't, doesn't snap break. stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's what exactly what we said. Yeah. It? Yes. I, I know what he's saying. I get what he's saying, but we didn't really explain that. We didn't go into the fact that turbulence at ground level would slow. And through a forest, the front of the forest yeah. might get hit by the wind at, 200, at 42 metres a second. So if you got those flowers yes. and you stuck them on the top of a pole... That's right. Woomph. Gone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yes. So he, snap. I, I see. I see what he's going. But I see what he's saying. But I think it kind of proves what the story was saying. I think. So thank you very much for writing in. But I, I don't know. Th- I, yeah. I, I'm glad he introduced that element though. Because yeah. Yes. yes. Ground turbulence. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And I also love the fact he made an observation there. That's some actual science. So he heard a hypothesis. So here's a here's a here's a well he he hit a theory. Here's a theory. And he went wait. I got observational evidence that says that that's not right. He then said, well, if this paper is correct, why am I observing something different? He made a hypothesis, which is turbulence. And I really love that. So thank you very much for for doing all that crazy science and getting back to us. Because I think you're absolutely right there. It's probably, in my mind, that's exactly right. I can't prove it in this room right now. But I I would say... I got a fan. (laughs) A big fan? No, but I can... His name's Avi. Uh... If you hear us say something dumb, if you hear Greg say something oh, dumb, yeah. right. send an email to dan at smartenough.org. And when Dan obviously screws up again, <laughs> get on to greg at smartenough.org. Because when you send it to one or the other, we can pounce upon them and watch them sweat. And that's the fun of it. When you're like, backpedal on that one, you crazy bastard. You have been listening to Smart Enough to Know Better. No, wait. How do I do this? Um, you have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And I'm Greg at smartenough.org. Follow us on Twitter, SC2KB. Facebook, SC2KB. Get along to iTunes and subscribe. Yeah, definitely and subscribe. And you know, rate us. Yes, and yeah, definitely rate us. At least rate us. And, uh, you should rate us. And uh, maybe go to Dr. Carl and give him a one star. <laughs> yeah. Don't you say, this isn't smart enough to know better. Oh, man, he will cut us. He will cut us so much. Yeah. But, but, but also, definitely tell someone about us. The way, way this spreads by mouth is, is by, well, by mouth. That's how we spread things by mouth, is by mouth. It's, it, we're kind of no. like herpes. Uh, please spread us by mouth and tell someone. If you think, hey, you'd like this, tell your group. Tell your skeptical group. Tell your science dudes in the pub. Tell everyone about us that you go, these guys are not too bad. If you think you're not too bad. If you don't like us, don't tell, just keep that to yourself. That would be, be really good. Why are you still listening to this? Because you put a whole hour's worth of... I'm so sorry. No. Now, <laughs> we don't get paid for this we very often. We don't. Very occasionally. Okay. We, a couple of bucks. Uh, you know, t-shirt sales and stuff. Yeah. We should do t-shirts again. We should do t-shirts again. Ah. All right. Um, <laughs> there are a couple of things that you... There's a couple of ways you can support the podcast, mm-hmm. obviously. Telling everyone about it. Absolutely. That'd be great. Also... If you like creating music or know people who like creating music or listening to new music, you could get along to songdojo.rocks, which is another project of mine that's for amateur songwriters. It's fantastic. In the past, we've had Lee Nemo from Axis of Awesome and Tony Martin from The Late Show. Uh, they've been giving issuing challenges oh, cool. so that we could uh, create pieces of art for them. That's fantastic. I just love listening to I have no musical talent whatsoever in any way, shape or form. I, I'm, it's a total dead Oh, you're magic. forgetting about our rap song. Oh, our rap song is amazing. About the yeah, that was great. That's true. We were, that was pretty... Yes, I think the best review was Please Never Do That Again. Uh, but no, uh, it was good. No, I think the best review was uh, my son hates your rap so much he will now no longer eat raps. <laughs> I think that was the most you changed your life. That's good. But I, well, <laughs> anyway, the um, songdojo.rocks, <laughs> I enjoy going to because people have really different ways of looking at common ideas, like uh, if you're a zombie or baked goods. So, And it's really good. You kind of go, that's a really odd idea, and people have really good ideas. And what I'm amazed by is with the technology that exists nowadays, there are some amateur and in inverted commas musicians who are amazing. 
amazing and actually do amazing work like multi-instrumentalists and things like that it's, it's incredible go and have a look it's funny it's moving I actually quite enjoy it I have nothing to do with it by the way nothing to do with this at all it's, it's dance yep that's just mine it's just dance if you or your business that you work for needs a website consider civicnet.com.au I make incredible websites that run nice and fast and I know all about that SEO stuff so get into it also a brand new sponsor of the podcast. Oh my goodness. I have discussed in the past the Frog Princess. She Ooh. has started up her very own wedding photography business. Unbelievable. She has won many, many awards That's and right. been featured as one of Rangefinder Magazine's 30 best up and coming wedding photographers. So get along to whisperandsing.com. That's whisper and sing. Com, and you can check out her wedding packages. So if anyone is getting married in Brisbane or in Australia or if they want to fly her out to, I don't know, Denmark. Denmark, that'd be nice. That's right. She's uh, French. She can speak French. And she and is. I'm sure you can speak French in Denmark. Yes, she can speak French and English. Yes. And Spanish. Yes, oh my goodness. And a bit of German. There you go. Fucking polyglot. Take it, take it to Europe. God, stop, she's stop such me. a oh. show-off. I know. It's such a show-off. So she's, thanks oh. for her supporting of yeah, the podcast. Thanks very much, Frog Princess. <laughs> and as we always like to say, run from the Mongols! And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, nothing. Absolutely. We just, we've just recorded two hours of silence, and that's what we're putting in. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> We talked about this on the podcast. Yeah, and we came down on my side, I'm pretty sure. No, we said, but we're still, it's still thickness. Remember, men, men do... If only it had been recorded. Oh, there was no way of knowing. <laughs> Some animals have been getting past those cattle grates, though. Oh, right. So, if you're dealing with deer, you have to have cattle grates that are, like, 20 metres wide or something. Because <laughs> they're just swing straight yeah. across. Yeah. And apparently, and I, I'm, I'm not sure whether this is true, like... Basically, this has been described by people who should be trustworthy but mm. hasn't actually been confirmed. Right. Is that sheep have learned to lie down next to them and just roll across the cattle roofs. <laughs> I love that idea. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're, a big, we're a big fluffy animal. Off we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg Beeston and Dan Wara are smart enough to know better. You're fired. <laughs>